We'll begin this morning by taking our text from the book of Genesis. We'll read just one verse, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. We see from this verse alone the importance and the prominence of a mother in God's plan and in his creation. Somebody once jokingly said that parenting is hereditary. If your parents didn't have children, chances are you won't either. Well, that's true. We're all here because we had a mother. That's one thing we all have in common. You know, there's a lot of different opinions about what a mother is, what a mother does. We know being a mother is far more than just a woman who happens to give birth to a child in the same way being a father is far more than just being able to produce a child. There's much more involved and God places a very important emphasis on the importance of a mother, particularly godly mothers. If you had to pay your mother for all she does, you might wonder how much you would owe her. Well, believe it or not, there was a man who actually did this just a short time ago. He put a list of all the jobs together. I'm sure he consulted a few women when he put this list together. And they came up with a number of all the different jobs that a mother does around the house or in the home. And then they tried to put a dollar amount to each job she performed. They even consulted salary.com and some other websites. And they came up with an annual figure of $162,581. That's the medium income sure we would all say that's probably a conservative estimate when we consider really what a mother does. There was a teacher who gave her class of second graders a lesson on the magnet and what it does. The next day in a written test, she included this question. My full name has six letters. The first one is M. I pick up things. What am I? When the test papers were turned in, the teacher was astonished to find that almost 50% of the students answered the question with the word mother. So, of course, our mother does far more than pick things up. She picks up after us. Usually a mother spends the rest of her life cleaning up her children's messes sometimes. Mothers are guardians, referees, counselors. House, house cleaners, cooks, free taxi service. The list goes on and on. They're supposed to be tireless. If you're wondering how to get your children's attention, some practical advice for mothers that I read. It says just sit down and look comfortable. And immediately you'll get your children's attention. Mothers have a huge important role to play in all of our lives. Mothers are the most influential force on the earth. A mother's influence at home and on her children truly does shape and influences the course of history for good or for bad. If the head of the home is the father, the heart of the home, it's been said, is the mother. There was a historian by the name of Gibbons who wrote a book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. He listed five reasons why that world empire fell. And number one on his list 
was the undermining of the dignity and sanctity of the home. It's true. History repeats itself. We see that again uh, being played out in our our culture. But nonetheless, God places a a glorious place is given to mothers. In Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make an helpmeet for him. God saw right away that man needed help. So he created the woman to help the man. The woman is not inferior to the man. She wasn't created to serve under him, but alongside him. We know it's that woman that complements what is missing often in a man. And a man is incomplete without his wife. And in the same way, a home is incomplete without a mother. doesn't matter how much culture may try to redefine what a family is. We know what God's Word says. It is a mother and a father together raising their children. We know that it's the mother that complements and completes the home. God's love is often reflected through the love of a mother. Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4 says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age I am he, and even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. We see here God likening his care and his love to his children, to that of a mother, the way she cares for them from the cradle to the grave as she bears our burdens and they carry us on their hearts for all time as long as we're alive that's what a mother does whatever burden a child is carrying or bearing a mother bears it along with them in the same way the bible says the lord has borne our sorrows and carried our griefs but god again makes this comparison of a mother's love to the love he has for his children. That care and love a mother has for a child doesn't stop over time. You know, you never stop being a parent. Even those that have adult children, they continue to love and care for their children. In the same way, the Bible tells us that the Lord loves his people with an everlasting love. Motherhood is often the first picture a child sees of what God is like. Child often has to see the love of a mother before they'll understand what the love of their heavenly father is all about. It's the first voice a child hears is that of his mother. The first face they will see will be that of their mother. You know, as children get older, they begin to see the sacrifices that that parent or those parents have been willing to make for them. They see those mothers praying over them and teaching them how to pray They see them looking out for their safety and protection. They see that mother caring for them when they're sick. They see that mother involved in every stage of their life trying to guide them. Isaiah 66.13 says, this is God again speaking of himself. He says, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. We know when a child is hurt, who do they go to for comfort? More often than not, it is the mother. I remember trying to teach my oldest daughter, Diana, how to ride her bike. 
And we were going along the sidewalk. I wasn't paying attention. And next thing I know, she got all tangled up in the handlebar. She fell down. She hurt herself. And I, of course, as a father, you know, you say, get up, brush yourself off. Get back on that bike. She wouldn't have anything to do with it. It was her mom who taught her how to ride her bike. She went to her mother for comfort. That's just natural. You know, God, when he speaks of pity, he compares himself to the father. As fathers, we can pity our children. But really, when it comes to comfort, he selects the mother for good reason. God loves and comforts, we know. But his love and comfort far exceeds that of even a mother. It says that he is the God of all comfort. There are times when even our mothers can't bring us comfort, but God's love and comfort exceeds that even of a mother. He's the God of all comfort. We know Jesus likened uh, a mother hand protecting her chicks to the protection and provision that God was offering his people. So we're thankful, so thankful for godly mothers. You know, we have some wonderful examples in the word of God of many godly mothers, but for the sake of time, we'll consider... Just one this morning. We'll look at the example of a woman by the name of Jochebed. This, of course, was the mother of Moses. We don't have her name given to us until later in the book of Genesis and also in Numbers. But she was a very good example of a godly mother. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read verses... We're just 23. Here's a companion verses to the scripture reading Brother Dwight read. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. This was a difficult time to raise a family. We live in perilous times. They also lived in perilous times. You know, there's been a war that's been waged on children for many years. There was a war that was waged on children back when uh, Moses was born. We know uh, the history behind this account. As the children of Israel began to grow and prosper, grow stronger in the land of Egypt. Uh, They came in Egypt under the leadership of Joseph. And we know how God had blessed Joseph in that land and allowed uh, the nation of Egypt to survive a famine, and God promoted him, and he was second in the land only to the Pharaoh at the time. But it said that Joseph died, and the Pharaoh died, and there rose up another Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And all he could see as he looked out over the land, he saw the children of Israel continuing to multiply and grow stronger and stronger. So he passed a decree that all of the male babies born to the Hebrew women should be cast into the river. Of course, we know Moses had two older siblings. His brother Aaron was three years older, and Miriam was 12 years older. So obviously this decree had been passed while Jochebed was expecting Moses. And I'm, I just wonder what, what kind of anxiety had she felt during that time as they were awaiting his birth, knowing this decree had gone forth. It was a dangerous ch- time for a child to be alive. You know, it's been said in our culture, the most dangerous place for a child nowadays is in the womb of the mother. That's true. 
But these were perilous times. But you know what it said here? By faith, they hid him because they feared not the king's commandment. Jochebed was a woman of faith. His father Amram, they feared God rather than the king's commandment. So they did what they could. It says that they hid him as long as they could. You know, I thought there's a lesson right there. Our home should be a place of safety and refuge for our children, a place that they're safe from the destroyer. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with hiding your children and sheltering them for as long as you can. It won't always be that way. But they decided they were going to take advantage of this time to hide him and protect him. You know, uh, that home should be a place of safety and refuge for our children. That's our responsibility. And they took that very seriously. We can't control what goes on outside of the home, but we certainly can go can control what goes on inside of it. We can control the environment inside that home. So they were determined to do that, to give Moses every advantage, every protection. Well, there came a time when they could hide him no longer. So they made an ark of bulrushes. It says they pitched it without and within with slime. You know, a question was asked, how many people were saved by an ark? And most people would say eight. They considered Noah and his family. But really the correct answer would be nine because Moses was saved by this ark that his mother and father had prepared just like Noah, it says he, through faith, he moved with fear. Well, we know uh, Jochebed and Amram, they did the same thing. By faith, they, uh, they prepared this ark. And you know, they really, it came a time they couldn't care for this child anymore. So what they did, they just committed his life into the Lord's hands. You know, there's no better place where we can place our children than in the hands of the Lord. There will come a day when we have to commit them to the Lord, and that's what they were willing to do. They did all of this by faith. I wonder how she must have felt that day as she placed that little baby there in that ark, set him out in that Nile with all the crocodiles and all the snakes and everything else, all the dangers around. I wonder if she felt much like maybe many mothers feel the first day they watched their child get on a school bus. Or maybe as our children grow older and they decide to get out on their own. Now, some parents rejoice for that day. Some parents may even help their children pack. But for the most part, you're concerned. There comes a day when they have to get out from under our care. But you know, I don't believe they were overly concerned because their faith was in God. They knew God would somehow protect their child. You know, they prayed an ark of safety around that baby. And we know God honored their faith. Right away, God began to work. It's been said that few women have had to raise a family in more difficult circumstances. But we see God was already working on the other end of things. I believe they had entrusted the life of their child to God before he was ever even born. Well, as the account goes, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe herself and she found him. And she unwrapped him, it says, and he began to weep. And it says that the daughter of Pharaoh, she looked on him and had compassion on him. There's an ancient Hebrew custom, I guess, or 
tradition that maybe one of the angels reached out at that point and pinched the leg of Moses to get him to cry. We don't know, but there's something happens when a woman's heart is mixed with a baby's tears. Something special happens, and God caused her heart to be moved with compassion. Rather than cast him in the river, she defied her own father's edict, and she chose to adopt him. You see right away God's providence in all of this. God was honoring the faith of this godly mother. She didn't know what the results were going to be, but she trusted God with her child, and God was honoring her faith. Of course, the Pharaoh's daughter, she wasn't a mother, so she realized she needed a nurse. And as God would have it, his sister Miriam, it says she was hiding close by, and she was watching everything that was happening. And when she saw the dilemma here, she offered to fetch a mother to nurse Moses. Well, the mother chosen for the task was his own mother, Jochebed. Pharaoh's daughter offered to pay Jochebed to take care of her own child. Sounds like a mother's dream, doesn't it? You get paid to run a daycare for your own children. But that's how God was working. We see again God's divine providence, faith changes everything. Think about this situation. Here we have a child condemned to die by Pharaoh himself. He was a child of Hebrew slaves, adopted by the Pharaoh's own daughter. His mother was being paid out of the king's own coffers to raise her own son to a certain age. Of course, we know later, as he was being raised in the king's palace, he turns around and Eventually ends up leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and up to the promised land. You see God's providence in all of this. But God takes care of his people. They place their faith and their confidence in God. You know, it's interesting. At the same time, an edict was passed to destroy all the male babies. A deliverer was born. That's God's providence at work. The Lord honored their faith. You know, we see some things about Jochebed. She didn't know how long she was going to have with her baby. She realized at some point she was going to have to return him to the palace. It's traditionally known that children were nursed much longer back in Old Testament times. But many commentaries think maybe she had Moses from anywhere to three to seven years. Well, she didn't have a long time with him. But as any good parent, any godly parent knows, she determined to make every second that she had with her child count for the Lord. She was determined to get the word of God instilled into him. She must have realized that when it says, even though she didn't have the law or specific written instructions, that we need to train up our child in the way they should go when they're old. They won't depart from it. She realized that was their responsibility. Nobody was going to do that for her, so she she took advantage of the time she had. She probably thought, God helping me, I'm going to get the Word of God into his heart and his mind before he heads off to the University of Egypt, before those professors and those teachers can indoctrinate him with all their crazy ideas and their godless philosophies and, and theories. She wanted to give him a good foundation before he ever left that home. What kind of things did she teach him? No doubt she told him the truth about creation. We know, you read 
The first chapter of the first verse in the book of Genesis. And God created the heavens and the earth. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses did. Where did he learn that truth? No doubt it was because his mother taught him those truths in God's word. She would have warned him about the danger of disobedience as well as God's blessings to those who obey. No doubt she probably uh, recounted the time, uh, the account of Noah and the flood and how God passed punishment upon the world because of their disobedience. God is faithful. She probably warned him about the danger of perversion and immorality by telling him about Sodom and Gomorrah and telling him what God did to those cities because of their wickedness. Probably warned him against rebellion and pride by telling him about the Tower of Babel. No doubt she reminded him of God's covenant, his promise to Abraham, reminding him of God's promises and his faithfulness and reminding him of his own godly heritage. She probably told him about Joseph and how God will bless and prosper and help a person even in the midst of difficulty if they'll honor the Lord. You know, I don't think Jochebed was always afraid of displeasing Moses either. There were times when she had to probably discipline her child. The Bible tells us if we love our children, we'll chasten and discipline them. Train them up. That takes work. That takes effort. You know, if a child doesn't learn obedience and respect in the playpen, it's been said somebody will have to teach it to them in the state pen. So they realize it was their responsibility to teach their child about respect and obedience. There were times that maybe they even considered her a mean mother. Somebody wrote this a while back. She said, we had the meanest mother in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had cereal, eggs, and toast. When other kids got Pepsis and Twinkies for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. She insisted on knowing where we were all at, at all times and who our friends were. She had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash dishes, make beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. Because of our mother, we missed out on a lot of things other kids experienced. None of us have ever been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever been arrested for any crime. It was all her fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things other kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask about spending the night with a friend on Saturdays. Now that we've left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We are doing our best to be mean parents, just like Mom was. I think that is what is wrong with the world today. It doesn't have enough mean moms anymore. Well, if you're one of those mean moms, God bless you. There were times when probably Moses felt like maybe his mom was being unreasonable. But, you know, later your child will rise up and call you blessed. They'll be thankful. We appreciate godly influences in those godly mothers that do their job to teach us about the Lord. We know Moses later, the Bible tells us he went on to be the lawgiver. But you know, long before God ever delivered those laws on that table of stone, I believe the law of God had already been etched in his mind and in his heart by that early training of his mother, Jochebed. She got the word of God down in his heart. We don't ever want to underestimate the power of a mother's faith or a father's faith. You don't ever want to underestimate the power of 
the godly influence you may have on your children. They may not always appreciate it, but time will tell. There was another story about four preachers who stood around discussing the different variations of the translations of the Bible, the ones they liked best. One said he liked the King James Version because of its wording. The other said he liked American Revised Version because it was closer to the Hebrew and Greek. One liked the New King James Version because it, uh, its word translation and fluency. It says the fourth preacher didn't answer, and he paused for a moment. After a while, he said, I like my mother's translation best. Others were surprised. They said, we didn't realize your mom translated the Bible. He said, oh yeah, she translated it into life every day, and it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. Your example makes a difference. Do your godly mothers keep being that example? God will reward you for your efforts. You know, there came a time when Moses had to make a decision for himself. No doubt he was encouraged by his mother's faith and her example, but there came a time when he had to own his own faith. He couldn't get by on the faith of his mother. He had a choice to make. He came to a crossroads. Was he going to allow the influence of his godly mother shape his decisions in his future for life? Or was he going to allow the influence of the king's court of the world? He had a decision to face. Did he consider what he learned there in that old slave hut down on the uh, banks of the Nile, sitting at the knee of his mother? Was it more valuable than all the training he had received in the courts of Pharaoh? He had a choice to make. Well, we're thankful he made the right choice. We read about his decision again in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know what? He only benefited by his mother's faith because he acted upon that faith. We all face a choice in our lives. You know, Jochebed did a great job with Moses. One man said, the universities of Egypt, the temptations of the palace, the lure of position, power, wealth, and the possibility of a worldly throne never erased his mother's training. Well, we're thankful for godly mothers that have planted the word of God in our hearts, that have lived consistent godly examples. But like Moses, we have a choice. We must decide who are we going to choose to serve? Who are we going to allow to influence our lives? God, let it be the faith of those godly mothers and fathers around us. You know, the best way you can honor your mother today on Mother's Day, if you haven't done so already, is to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if your parent or your mother is a Christian or not. It may not even improve their ability to parent, but it will make you a better child. To be a godly child is a dream of every parent. 
It'll cause that child to be more respectful. Maybe it'll allow that child to extend forgiveness to a parent or uh, something that uh, was done. But God, God, help us. We want to be godly children, godly influence, a godly example to others. You know, the greatest goal for any parent, any Christian parent, is to see their child in heaven. God bless you again for those that are working that direction and help us as uh, recipients of that to reach out to the Lord today. God can help you. You know, when you're saved, when you become a child of God, not only do you honor your father and your mother, not only do you honor your heavenly father, but you do something good for yourself. The Bible says, the word of God says to obey our parents, to honor them in all things. It says, for this is good. It says, if you do this, you'll have long life. And you'll be blessed. God can bless you today if you're willing to make that commitment to the Lord. Again, God bless all of our mothers. God bless you for being here. Let's come and pray. Seek the Lord today. God will find you where you are. The song is 688. Let's pray.